Hi, I'm Ray, and you're listening to Insert Quest here. My pronouns are they, them, and she, her, and I'm coming to you today from the Terrible and Jagera lands uh, here in southern so-called Queensland. Uh, today, I'm talking to Sin and Pam, two Filipino game makers, from uh, about their upcoming print edition for their RPG, Navithams End, which we have talked to uh talked to both of them before and talked about this game uh but i wanted to do an update now that it's going to print because that's pretty exciting um but uh yeah it uh it's a pleasure to have you both on the show hey (laughs) it's nice to be back honestly Um, a lot has changed since you were last on the show. Uh, you were both living in uh, the Philippines then. Now one of you is uh, living in Canada. So it'd be interesting to talk about how that's changed your working process. Um, but for now, seeing as there's two of you, uh, we're going to take this next part in turns. So Sin, would you mind further introducing yourself for our listeners that might not be familiar with you and your work? Absolutely. Um, hi, my name is Sin. I am one half of the team that designed and created uh, Navithem's End. I, uh, gosh, what do I say? I am a game designer, illustrator, and layout artist for tabletop RPGs. I, uh, uh, um, you can find most of my work on my itch page. I do take commissions for for layout work and illustration, although I'm closed right now because I'm apparently quite booked. And um, I, yeah, I, I love designing games that are all about, you know, love and defiance and um, exploring yourself and et cetera. And I think, yeah, that's that's about me. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's perfect. A perfect introduction to you. Yeah. I... <laughs> I uh, have been enjoying uh, this morning while I've been preparing, looking at all of the uh, art uh, for Navithum's End and going to the itch page and looking at uh, looking at your illustrations and stuff again. Um, Thank you. So keen to talk about that as well. Um, all right, now it's over to Pam. Would you mind further introducing yourself for our listeners that might not be familiar with your work? Uh, sure. So uh, I'm Pam Ponsalan, also known as the Dovetailer. I think the last time I was on the show, I was indeed in Manila, but now I am based in the greater area of Toronto, which is in Ontario, and it's very cold over here versus how it used to be in Manila. So I do a lot of game design work, um, editing, and cultural consultancy, sensitivity reading, and a lot of community organization, specifically for RPGC. And now more recently, I am part of the Big Bad Cons POC Programming Committee, a initiative that makes it their business to uplift marginalized creators, whether they're in North America or not. I was a recipient of this scholarship in 2019, and that's kind of why I'm here. So I finally have a day job. Uh, that was one of the bigger, cool results of, of migrating. And I work for a company. It's not really a company. It's an organization called Dames Making Games. It is a Canadian cohort that is looking to support, in particular, marginalized game designers by uh, jumpstarting their game studios and letting them develop games independently. So that's what I do on the side. uh, I'm trying to focus more on my own personal projects these days, uh, Navithem being one of them, of course, because of the print run. But I am nominally nominally open for commissions, as per usual. Uh, Special cases. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> uh, lots of special cases these days, uh, especially since I feel like I have done a fulfilled Torah of uh, game design or editing or consultancy work across everything from D&D down to uh, tiny indie stuff. So uh, I guess that's me. <laughs> it was very exciting seeing uh, the the D&D books you'd worked on in uh, in a in a physical store the other day uh the first oh, time wow. I'd, the first time <laughs> I'd been in a physical store in a, uh, in a while and I walked in and I'm like <gasps> I know people that worked on that book <laughs> yeah my uh my own personal uh thoughts about the company Wizards of the Coast aside uh Radiant Citadel continues to be a work that really uh helped me grow interestingly enough as a designer so that's a thing, and um, it, it really emboldens me whenever I hear people say that, in particular, my adventure resonated with them, because you don't get a lot of Philippine representation in mainstream books. Yeah, I feel like especially d d um, And yeah, agreed on personal feelings about the company aside. I think, <laughs> I think most listeners will be aware that I'm not a fan of the company. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant. So, like I said earlier, we have had you on the show talking about um, Navathum's end in the past. But for people that aren't aware, uh, how do you, how would you describe Navathum's end? Um, what's the what's the two sentence? Well, not two sentence, but the short pitch. Uh, Sin, you want to take that or? <laughs> Sure. Navathum's End is a tabletop role-playing game where you play as agents trying to changes from a tower trying to stop the apocalypse. That's the elevator pitch. <laughs> Perfect. It's got everything you need. You're 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 agents. You're fighting against the apocalypse. I'm Kate. Well, fights working to stop the apocalypse. I think that's probably a clear. Uh, yeah. I feel. Where is it? Yeah. Yeah. Saving the world from an apocalypse. Uh, uh-huh. Is definitely different to fighting the apocalypse. I feel uh-huh. like it's a little bit uh, suggests something a little bit broader. Um, so, oh gosh, where to begin? Where to begin delving in? So, obviously, Navathum's end is a world that you've built together collaboratively as a duo. Um, uh, a refresher for for everyone. What was the impetus for creating the game and? Uh, and what was that journey together like so far? And then we'll talk about the the realities of printing. Sure. Um, well, it started as actually a D&D homebrew campaign of mine way back in 2015, 2016. And it, I think it was around, oh gosh, how was it? I think it was around 2019 when I, from like, after, after I guess, like, uh, spitballing this to Pam and a few other people at the time, I decided to to turn it into its own thing. And it was my first attempt to really kind of design something bigger than my smaller pieces. I've designed um, a bunch of micro RPGs before, but I had never taken on something this big. And my only scaffolding at the time was my knowledge of Powered by the Apocalypse. So after writing 
and trying things, eventually I decided I definitely need somebody else on the team, somebody else who is just as passionate about Avatham's end as I am. And I decided, hey, Pam, would you like to <laughs> work on this game with me? And of course, Pam brought their incredible design sense and their um, wonderful knowledge of Forge in the Dark. And that's kind of how the game itself gained this kit bash system between TBTA and FITD. Um, and that's more or less it. We play tested it. We launched it with our shores. And um, now we're trying for a print run. <laughs> yeah. And for those that don't uh, recall or didn't listen to the last uh, interview, our shores was a program to get a bunch of games from uh, Southeast Asia um, published. Um, in I think they were all digital runs at the time. From yes, memory. they were all digital. They were all digital. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was that was because of the fact that like Kickstarter is such an important part of getting funding in our industry, but is like not accessible in most yeah. Southeast Asian countries, right? Including yep. the Philippines. It continues to not be accessible. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's that's due to like weird like financial Thanks. treaties or something, right? It's like weird I, banking stuff. Right, I, right, right, right. Yeah. So I don't really know the specifics, but the impression yeah. I've been given is really, it has a lot to do with banking laws on, and not a lot of uh, Southeast Asian banking laws seem to play well with Kickstarter, as mm-hmm. far as I know. So Right, okay. Sort of like how a bunch of American um, money transfer apps are like considered financially um, suspect in Australia. Yes. So like <laughs> yeah, you can't, very similar. You can't use Cash App in Australia. And whenever somebody's like, oh, send me a donation via Cash App, I'm like, I don't want my credit card details stolen. Also, the Australian (laughs) government won't let me install that app. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's kind of like that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Similar, except like there's PayPal is still usable in Australia, for example. But like, yeah, like it's much more debilitating, I feel, to... (laughs) Yeah, for to not be able to access Kickstarter, especially in our industry. Um, (laughs) I think uh, another another thing that like the reason why we decided on like a purely digital run for every project that was involved is um, well the fact that like shipping at the time mm. the pandemic hadn't happened yet but um, but it was pretty close to happening it was like pretty it was, close I think, to happening I think it had yeah. begun right but we weren't really it, sure what was going to happen yet. Yeah, I think the first few people were getting hit like a little bit, but and then and then so before even that, before we even conceived that like we'd have shipping problems um, with like pandemic related stuff, we we knew from the get go that shipping at all would have not worked for us. Um, and the 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 rougher part about it is that um, it's really hard to ship to South Southeast Asia. We don't yes. have like a single publisher or our publishers don't talk to each other. Our couriers don't talk to each other. So we also don't have a centralized distribution system for yep. stuff like a tabletop. So uh-huh. like there's no real, uh, I know that a, a couple of folks used to talk about it pre pandemic, but uh, pandemic uh-huh. kind of earthquakes, everything. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And then, and then of course the pandemic happened and then all of the shipping issues happened and we were like, you know, 
Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and so looking at your Kickstarter for Navithams and for the print run of Navithams, um, have you, it looks like just from a quick glance, you've partnered with someone again, similar to how you've partnered in the past. So right. what's what's going on with the print edition of Navithams and what's that going to look like? Well, uh, to provide a bit of context, um, we... We originally went for another publisher before Axo Stories, but pipelines did not align. So when I made a bit of an open call asking for more publishers, my good friend Alistair Guzman from from Mexico actually uh, approached me. And uh, we have a very big belief, Sin and I, in making sure that every project we are a part of as much as possible has a lot of Global South representation because you can't keep crowing about supporting designers on the margins if you won't actually hire them or collaborate with them. So when Alistair approached, uh, I talked to Sin about it and both of us were like, you know, let, let's do it. Beyond the fact that Alistair is a friend, uh, they, 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 they know how to do these things and um, they're a Global South publisher. So for the print run, our general plan, honestly, is to just um, polish it for actual physical print because the current layout right now is is tuned to digital. Then we want to get a professional editor, who is not me, by the way, to <laughs> further refine the text. Um, and uh, generally, it's just going to clean it up and, and make it look like it'll be a good thing to have on your shelf. So... We're not really planning any fundamental changes. We just want to have the book physically ready for distribution this time, especially since uh, we have realized as a pair that the game is very popular. Apparently, <laughs> when yeah. we first re- yeah, <laughs> when we first released it, we were like, oh, okay, you know, we know, we know some people who like it, but um, more more often than not, it was really about finishing the work for out for for its own sake right but um as we um talked to more people and did more things we learned more and more of folks that we had no idea of who had been anticipating the game for the longest time awesome and so i i recently did my first ever print run of a of a thing and i'm glad that i sold it to myself as a learning exercise rather than a <laughs> profit making endeavor because right, right. Every time I got to a new stage of it, profits decreased. Um, mm. <laughs> but I, I came out the other side being like, damn, I wish I was in America because shipping would have been a lot easier because, <laughs> like, I think, like, 70 or 80% of the print um, product for my game went to the United States. And so if I'd been in the United States, I would have had to have paid international shipping. Um, Or if I'd partnered with a printer in the United States, I would have been able to do that. Um, uh, Have those sorts of logistics affected your project? Uh, Well, we haven't gotten there. Well, yeah, sorry. I I guess what I'm asking is, did that enter into your decision-making process so far? Or is that a bit, or is that an after the Kickstarter's funded situation? I think uh, what what Pam and I really used to sit down a lot on before we we found Access Stories or Access Stories found us was where do we pitch and how do we pitch it? Um, 
because we knew from the get-go that we would not be able to do this ourselves. Absolutely not. There is no printer publisher in in Southeast Asia, as we said, right? Yeah. So we had to kind of like really consider which of the available publishers um, in our industry would take this game and help us print it. Um, we were considering a lot of a lot of them and um, I was supposed to make like a pitch deck and everything uh, trying to like figure out how to even do that. Um, but eventually uh, I think we got lucky, I, I guess, uh, with Axo Stories because this was kind of plaguing us for weeks before weeks and weeks before before that finally settled so that was quite nice um in terms of like uh like locations and and publishing and stuff uh during our conversations with axo stories it seems like we will be able to cover um us uh most of europe um where else love is that it for sure latin america uh, yeah, there you go. So it's going to be North America, Europe for certain, and uh, Latin America. Axo Stories has the same similar, well, that's repetitive, uh, similar headache as we do, in which uh, we nobody really knows how to distribute to Southeast Asia. So yeah. uh, what on the side, what Southeast Asian customers who are not covered um, by major distributors tend to do is uh, they tend to use third-party shipping services individually. So like our friends in the Philippines, how they've been getting their TTRPG books for years is they find a friend who has a shipping service and they got a big box of the books altogether. Mm. Yep. Uh, that's the little, little tips and, the, and tricks to, to distribution. Uh, I wanted to also add that another big consideration and difficulty we had was our work is complete with art, illustration, etc. So yeah. we were more really at like a distribution level rather than let's say going to a publisher with a con with a proof of concept and yeah. having them discuss things like royalties or what they want to change, how to fix it with in-house, et cetera. We were considering it for a little while in that we have some strong connections to wonderful people who would have been happy to look at the manuscript and give it their so-called in-house treatment. But uh, the, we eventually decided that we really wanted to, I guess, keep the integrity of original work, specifically the artists that Sin wanted to highlight, because the majority of them are, again, from the global south or from uh, underrepresented communities in Europe. So to, to, for us to have rehauled it under a, a bigger publisher, so to speak, would have meant that there would have been a strong chance that those art pieces would not be in the work, which I yeah. felt and Sin felt would not be fair. Right. Um, but that, again, that also meant this, it's, such a big, it's such a big book and it was an entirely finished project. So you can't really approach, like, let's say, Evil Hat with it, um, even though Evil Hat's a wonderful group. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's um, a, a lot of uh, a lot of decisions were made uh, of which I think neither of us regret them. Uh, but the hurdles were real, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the 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 unique situation of trying to get a finished product published because it right. definitely feels from my experience of a person who hasn't tried to get ever get anyone else to publish my work. Uh, it definitely feels from what I've heard from other people and what I see online in discussion is that people are like the people, people that are publishing other people's work 
the are really they're not coming into that that late in the project they're not coming into the we've, we've oh you've got the thing fully laid out yep. uh and, and edited and 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 populated with art that we're not looking for it like even though they could publish it it's just not what they're looking to do looking to do yeah yeah and the, there are some distributors that we did talk to who um for them it didn't quite align with their with their own vision which meant that mm-hmm. we could not like use them as as options either and uh we get it it's business right but uh it i think it exposes a lot of complications when it comes to people who are looking to publish big work because you will inevitably as a creator face uh, the same decisions that we did do mm-hmm. you do you chug along on your own and make something that is 100% tailored to your vision? Or do you get lucky enough to have a successful pitch with a with someone that you can collaborate with, but some of that creative direction and decisions will no longer be your own. It will be a, uh, it, it will be a combined team effort in which it might not always hit the mark what you like. So Yeah, definitely. I, I understand that uh, that element of, yeah, it's sort of this thing of, once you bring another person on board, the project changes. Even mm-hmm. like in your own case, um, Sin, bringing uh, Pam on, I assume, <laughs> changed the project, right? And you <laughs> made that decision intentionally. Um, but, yeah, every person you bring on to a project changes it in some way. Um, or the better. Or yeah, the better. indeed. <laughs> 100%. I didn't mean it that negatively, but I, I just was talking about change in general. Uh, change, change, uh, not what is the word I'm looking for? Change um, in brackets neutral. <laughs> right. I get you. I get you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'm just teasing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely feel that. Um, it's so interesting. Uh, like every time learning about these sorts of things and learning new, <laughs> new things about publishing, I'm always like, oh, yeah, wow, I never thought of it that way. A personal, um, worry, a personal worry I had, um, which mm-hmm. um, Bam tried to reassure me about this a lot, is that, um, well, the book is big. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's massive, right? But it's, it's a lot of pages, which definitely means a lot more costly than say a zine or you know a supplement or something of that kind yeah um so a part of that was also like a major consideration in in terms of like is there even a publisher willing to take this thing that's like over 100 pages at like raw text (laughs) um so I, i was personally really worried about that because i hadn't really seen any any thing like get picked up in that way um and then another another worry like similar to that was just the fact that like um how how much of how much of of the project is going to like not necessarily change or like or like get axed or something but like i guess like another thing is like, will they see it as profitable enough for them to go for it? Because um, I, f- I personally felt like I had to 
really think about like, oh, well, then how do I how do I convince these publishers for the ones that I approach that that Pam and I approached before? It's like, uh, how do I tell them? Like, do I show them like the numbers of the of the past Kickstarter? Here's like their itch. Here's the itch analytics for this. How do you, how do you prove that this uh-huh. thing? has value right yeah basically yeah yeah other than you just saying it's so important to me and like you know that thing matters too but um in the end you know for a lot of publishers um they have to make a buck too Mm -hmm. so it you have to in my head because i i i was a little scared about this and i suppose like my background in advertising was kind of like needing me to to make some kind of case for it um yeah that that was like uh, one of the things i was particularly scared of like how do i how do i convince these people that this fully complete product that is over 100 pages on raw text is a profitable venture for them to invest on (laughs) yeah because like obviously we see games get published that are that size but normally that's like a thing that that company has had made in house right yeah, they did it from ground up yeah yeah and so like they're they're invested in it normally when you see like yeah other people publishing other things it's like uh, tends to be a bit smaller when it's picked up uh so yeah uh, definitely yeah, it's it's this weird thing of like, oh well, we're willing to publish our own four hundred page thing, but we're not going to publish your hundred page thing. That's uh-huh. such a yeah. gamble. And it's like, yeah. is it much more of a gamble than your own thing? It's just that you're you are invested in your thing. Um, yeah, making them getting them to see that. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine trying to get something over a hundred pages um through production on my own um so yeah i definitely it's a lot of money yeah each page yeah. you know yeah i i purposefully often design things to be zine printable using zine tech um because and you know go aim for that size just because i know it is achievable and possible for me but i really like admire that um that like spirit and willingness to take that risk that you've both shown and everybody else has shown that's worked on the project in trying to get this uh, published. And I really am looking forward to seeing uh, the finished book. Um, well, I mean, it's already finished, but like the, the physical artifact is what I mean. Oh, yeah. um, I, I'm excited to hold it in my hands like a baby. <laughs> Same. Uh, that's cool. Um, for the Kickstarter, and I am excited I'm interested to hear what you what your thoughts are on this, both of you. Uh, for the Kickstarter, have you done any or yeah, set up any like special printings or stuff? I've seen things where people do like alternate covers or like all oh, all the <laughs> all the numbers in in this edition are gold instead of black, um, <laughs> like page numbers. Um, or like in my own case, I did signed copies, but I did I just signed my name. I didn't. I didn't do like I didn't do custom like signatures where I was sending people messages. Um, uh, yeah, have you done any of that, or have you sh- or have you sort of shirked that trend, or what has been your response to that sort of a thing? We we're not really thinking on purpose too far ahead. Um, mm. We uh, of course, like I 
a perpetually big dreamer, right? I do have some ideas in case we overfund, but the the goal is to really just get it like uh, out there, one and done, and uh, and ready for people to to flip through and read. So the biggest change will definitely be the layout uh, cool. because it, it it's going to be entirely different. I know we got a lot of good compliments for the layout, of which I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Paladin. Um, Joshua Menahal because he did that for free for us and uh, it made the book look stunning you know for the for pdf purposes right Um, but the because it's digital and because Axo Stories is our partner they need to find an in-house layout artist and I know they Mm -hmm. have one and an in-house editor so that that's going to be a big change for people who have the digital pdf it's going to be uh, it's going to look different on the inside, um, but the the art will stay the same. Um, so, short of any surprise stretch goals, uh, which they may or may not come out come <laughs> uh, come Kickstarter. So, like if if we do overfund, and I hope we do, then uh, maybe we will consider more special things. Uh, but off the cuff, like if you ask me now, um, if we were to add things, and I definitely want it to be oriented more towards content. Like mm-hmm. new content rather than um, special edition, et cetera, uh, with respect yeah. to the physical copy. Yeah, good. I think that's a good idea. I mean, that's why I didn't do alternate covers or anything for Make Your Own Heaven when I was funding that last year. I was like, people would probably be willing to sign, pay for a signed copy, and it's only a few more minutes work for me. I think I charged people like $10 extra to get a signed copy, and it was just permanent marker my artist name at the back it, i it very much felt like a grift <laughs> doing that. <laughs> uh, but they knew what they were getting <laughs> uh and to be honest that was just a motivator to convince people to pay more it wasn't really meant to be a, a different thing right um <laughs> uh yeah cool i i definitely agree with that trend or not that trend that decision rather to go like no, we're not going to do all these extra things. Uh, yes, if we get funded, we might add more content. Um, I think that's the way to go. Um, we mentioned the art. I did want to come back and talk about the visual art that has gone into this work um, and and what that what 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 that process was and how did you just des- and deciding on the art style and stuff. So I, ge- I guess this will mostly be <laughs> be for sin, but yeah. Um, what how did you choose the art style for Nevathan's End? Because to me, when I look at it, um, yes, I am on the 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 itch. It's sort of like some of it is almost sort of like um like the big huge cover piece, right? That feels like a chalk drawing. Um, almost like uh if you replace the stained glass in like a Catholic church with a mm-hmm. chalk painting instead. Um, that's sort of a, a an energy. I'm sure there's like a specific art style that it, it is more reminiscent of, but I'm using the words I have available to me. Uh, and some of the art that you can see on the um, on the itch page for the digital version uh, sort of looks like um, almost like tarot art. Uh, this I'm specifically thinking of this picture at the top. Um, next to Galata Cure Fist, uh, like that looks like a tarot card. And then 
you've got these like other character portraits that are a bit more kind of almost like um anime source book kind of 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 uh of feeling so what were what went into like choosing the art style and the way that you talked about it it suggested that there were multiple visual artists contributing to this or did i misunderstand there are multiple artists. Uh, the list is in like the credits area of the of the book. I oh, hired yeah, a I lot of artists, um, and I think this. I, I hired a lot of artists because, for one, I didn't want to burden just one artist on everything, and two, um, I I I had like a few visions for for what I wanted. Um, the art for the agent designations is all done by, and the chaos sources is all done by Valistari. They were actually the first artists involved in the project. And um, that goes like even before our shores, because um, Val really believed in, in, in Avatham's end. I thank them a lot for that. They they offered, hey, do you need art? And I was like, sure, yeah. At, at the time, because this was pre-Our Shorts, I was still kind of like in the process of working on the game itself, me and Tam. And so um, I was paying for everything like out of pocket. Like uh, every so often, if I get like $200 in the, in the PayPal, I'd be like, hey, 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 can you do this thing? Can you make this thing for me? Do you have time? And so that's kind of that's kind of how it how it went how how it started, and I knew that I if if it ever got kickstarted for like you know more art, I really wanted um, Val on the team, and Val's kind of like specialty is really uh, character portraits. So I, and I and I really love their work. I was really uh, I was enchanted by how varied the characters that they created were. And it fit that kind of vibe in in Navatham's end, where you can make any sort of character that you want. Um, There's so many options. Uh, There's so many character backgrounds, and you can mix and match the different agent designations. And I was just like, um, I need somebody who can put in as many like varied character portraits as, as possible because I want people to see that you can make yourself in here. You can make somebody so removed from yourself in here. You're here. You are in this book. That That's kind of the whole idea of those character portraits. And then when we go into like the cover of, of Navasin's End, and if we go into like the Core 7 portraits, the Core 7 portraits is actually a, a stretch goal from our shores. But the cover itself cost me a pretty penny. Um, I can imagine it, it looks gorgeous. Mm, I I hired Borg. I had been wanting so much to work with Borg, but um, on my own like pocket, I couldn't really afford him. Um, Borg Sinaban is a Filipino artist, and they are incredible. I've been following them on Twitter for months, and I was just like, one day, when I get a a big payout. I'm gonna hire them. <laughs> I remember. I remember yeah. these uh, this, these discussions. I remember your intense planning. <laughs> yeah, it really was. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna save this much every month so that eventually I get the like buy even just one major illustration from this guy. He's so amazing, and he turned out really like easy to work with. Um, 
we we could at first we could only afford the cover, which is why the the porcelain and portraits were all um a stretch goal. And so I really wanted I was just, I was just like I'm gonna pour everything into this fucking cover. Um, the inspiration from them comes from I'm I'm not sure if like, you're familiar you're you're on the money for like uh, tarot cards and stuff and like stained glass because my major inspiration point really was stained glass illustrations and. The Dragon Age tarot. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was basically it. That was I was I was like I have a very simple image board for you, and this is it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I I I worked with them really well. They took I don't know how they managed to take only like a month and a half for that cover, but they did. Yeah, that was um, incredible. <laughs> gosh even like honestly when when he first showed me the first thumbnail i was like oh wow yeah Yeah, actually and then and then he gave me the final thing and i was like i'm gonna cry (laughs) i i yeah i i love that story it reminds me of when um i was getting nika to do the uh, art for Maker in Heaven, but like it all had started like long, long before. Nika does a lot of like, um, like Western, as in like the genre, uh, style paintings Ooh, of like okay. landscapes. Oh, wow. Okay. And okay. the clouds in Nika's paintings are always amazing. And they're very much <laughs> like a, a, to me, they feel like the main character. So when I was doing Make Our Own Heaven, I was like, I got to get Nika because Jupiter, and I got to have some Nika Jupiter clouds. And uh, that was like the beginning of the like central portrait in Make Our Own Heaven of the angels in in the clouds of Jupiter and like. Oh, that's beautiful. I had just the clouds with none of the other art as like a <laughs> as a background image for ages because the clouds are just amazing. I mean, the whole thing is amazing, but yeah. Uh, so yes, I feel I feel that like spotting an artist for a thing like I want I. I I have no like idea for a cloud based RPG, but God, if I could, if I could come up with a good cloud based RPG, you're getting so many Nika cloud portraits. So yeah, I, I feel <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah. I I wish to work with Borg again someday. Um, oh yeah, but absolutely. It like it seems like ever since they got booked for Navithams End, they've just been booked full every month mm. <laughs> i'm just like oh no one day um, well, we, we, we won't be quitting game design anytime soon you and i so that's uh, true. it's only a matter uh, of time you know i'll come back around yeah um, i will have more money yay yes. yeah <laughs> and then so like the rest of the art um i found of course like a great like uh like landscape background artist um to bring the the major cities to life as well they did a very pretty kind of like painterly style and i wanted that because i wanted it to kind of just blend into the page and um so like admittedly like the different styles are very like you know it's kind of mix and match and sometimes i wonder should i should i should i have made this more cohesive but i feel like Nothing feels too out of place, I think. Yeah, in, agree. In, it all feels, um, it has a cohesive feeling to it. 
like you uh-huh. can see that there's different art styles but i like i was willing to believe that it had all been done by one artist so mm-hmm. that that uh-huh. tells you that it's cohesive even though there's different styles being expressed yeah i think uh, uh, if we were to like professionally assess what happened there uh none of them's end was basically since start as an art director when it comes to ttrpgs because you know they had to unify the aesthetic somehow along guiding principles of i want to support this kind of demographic of artists right so and then like the aesthetic of Navathem came out really clearly like uh, a lot of people uh, right right love every time we go into an interview most people really do point out like the cover right or the city stuff or the colossals or oh wow the core seven right it's it's like those Uh specific pieces that really jump out yeah I I also like tried to make sure that um the artists I hired you know, were happy with the project. Um, like my map artist, for example, actually has before me had never worked on um, anything pro. Um, they oh. were just kind of making their own maps for their own like campaigns, right? So I gave them like five maps of of the world and like asked them, do you think you can turn this into like kind of like a fantasy style type of map? And I wasn't really expecting like uh, a lot because I wanted it to be simple. I wanted it to be easy to, to read. And it wasn't supposed to be a hard and fast like map of the world anyway. Like not, nothing in the maps is actually like set in stone. You could change everything about that. Oh, hello, cat. Sorry. Um, so um, yeah, I, I, and then they came back to me with like their first sketches and I was like, yes. I need this. And it was just kind of hard to believe that like he'd never done this before. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm glad. I'm glad I got them. And I I know that their commissions are open. They they told me that like they gained a lot more confidence to to put out map commissions because of Navithem. And like while that was not necessarily the intention for all of the artists involved, I'm glad that that came out for some. Um, there's a couple of others that also like had that feeling after after Nevathem's End published. Um, and another thing that I would like to point out is like the happy accident that I had with with this is that almost all of the artists were actually like studying and like are kind of like students and stuff. Ah, uh, so like um, a, like early career almost. Yeah, yeah. I, unintentional because that's kind of hard to glean sometimes from like, you know, people's Twitter profiles and like portfolios. Yeah, you, you, you um, tend to have no idea, right? You look yeah. at their work, right? And you go, does this suit my purposes or not? Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh-huh. so like at some point it was so funny because like they're all from the Philippines, right? Um, I knew exactly. I was like, oh, it's midterms season. <laughs> they all went quiet. I <laughs> see. <laughs> That was so funny. Uh, I was like, baby, I haven't had a check-in from my artists in a while. What's happening? Are and they then, still alive? And then one of them finally like replied and said, sorry, I've been having a lot of exams. I was like, oh, it's midterm season. I see. Goodness. That's pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. Art direction has always sort of been like a... Art director as like a position, but art direction is like a... 
as a skill set has always uh, has been very interesting to me since like the first time I'd ever heard about it as a role within role playing game design. Not as a thing like oh I want to do that. As a thing like God I want to understand how this comes together. So yeah, a very very fun discussion there for me. Um, well, it sounds like just from talking about the art as well as everything else, but even just isolating the discussion about the art there. This book's going to be amazing when it comes to print. Uh, I feel like there are people that are going to want to get it just for the art alone, uh, but obviously the world building and the and the game itself are amazing. I can't wait for this to come out in print. Where can people find out more about Neverthum's End and more about the Kickstarter? Oh, well, we do have a website, and I know that Sin has been very consistent in as much as it can be with updating the devlog, I believe, of our itch. So the itch page and then its official website uh, would be the best place to go. And of course, when uh, I'm not so buried in work, I think when Sin is not so buried in work, we will be posting about it increasingly on our platforms, uh, particularly Twitter, because that's still, unfortunately, where the both of us are at our noisiest uh, because mm-hmm. we do have a following there. So yeah, just uh, stay tuned for updates um, and do follow us uh, or follow the project page rather if you haven't already. Yeah, and there'll be links to a bunch of that stuff down below, but in particular, the link to follow the Kickstarter uh, so that you can get notified when it launches uh, for real. It's Um, happening at the end of the month. Indeed, hopefully, well, yeah, might have already happened as per uh, posting. We shall see how that shakes out. Uh, but, but either way, there will be a link for you to click. Um, uh, for now, though, thank you so much for both being on the show and uh, making it fit in with schedules. Um, it has been a pleasure talking to you again. Uh, that was great. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you enjoyed this interview, you can find out uh, find more interviews from us uh, by clicking on the interviews tag, including a uh, previous interview about Navitham's End. Uh, but for now, farewell from the past. I'm Ray.